And if you make mistakes, you own up to it because in the end result, when you do reach success and you do get to the point where you have 15, 20 people working under you and your business is generating five, 10, $20 million, you deserve it at that point. You deserve every single dollar that your business is generating at that point. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Anil Victor, owner of the furniture company Wood Wood Work. Having a passion for your business is a key to success in this industry. It's what gets you up in the morning on the good days and the bad ones. Anil has that passion for every part of his business. The building, yes, but also the customer service, the pricing, the advertising, every aspect of his company he puts passion into. And it shows. But taking his company to a packed calendar of residential projects wasn't always easy. And even with his passion, he still sometimes has to find a way to fix mistakes and change tactics to continue to push his success forward. So follow along as we talk about your pricing and your worth balancing many different types of projects, teamwork, and much more. So let's start the episode and hear about Anil's journey in his own words. Back in, I would say, 2014, um, my mom had a house in Marietta, Georgia. It was a older home built in 1973, I believe it was. So a lot of things were outdated and needed updating. Um, Mom was a single mother. She worked at Walmart at the time, and then she went back to school to get her a registered nursing degree to go um, into the hospital practice or whatnot. So a lot of things around the house, I was you know, doing it myself, YouTubing ways to fix certain things, update bathrooms, how to update a vanity. So I would learn these things and then go to Home Depot, go purchase the materials and make some updates here and there. So it started there and I actually found an interest in it just from the process of starting, seeing something blank, starting, updating certain things, and then seeing the final product. So it started there. Fast forward, I would say to 2017 from that point, one of my close buddies, Chris, we ended up getting a apartment in downtown um, Atlanta in Buckhead. It was a nice, nice apartment. We wanted to do cool things around the apartment, but we were there for about a year, so we didn't really have the opportunity to do so. But there was one project in particular that um, I was able to tackle while I was there, um, and it was this infinity table. I don't know if you're familiar with infinity tables, but I saw I saw one online, and I was like, yo, we got to have one. So I started looking up how much they cost. I was seeing like $1,500, $2,000, and I made it upon myself to try it out and build it myself. So I ended up purchasing this like prefabbed uh, coffee table from Ikea and I ended up routing out the internal components of it and kind of creating this infinity table. Cool project, ended up turning out very well. People were so wowed by it when they would come over our place. It looked amazing. Um, but then I had a friend that came over and asked me if he could buy it from me for about 750 bucks is what I sold it to him for. He wanted less, but I talked him up to 750. Um, and that was kind of like my first take on like, oh, you know, you can make money building things. So, but from there, I ended up landing a job with this company called GiveSmart. It was a tech company. My, my role with the company was I worked with a lot of nonprofit organizations flying around 
to different states working with their nonprofits. Worked there for three years. I was still doing little knickknack jobs uh, here and there, small projects, uh, coasters, uh, cutting boards, things of that nature, but nothing big. And the company ended up getting bought out. And when they got bought out, of course, that larger company looked at all of the details of the smaller company to figure out ways to cut certain roles, figure out how they could save money and grow the business. So my role was one of those roles that was ending ending up getting cut. Um, my supervisor knew I was going to get cut. So she told me ahead of time, like, hey, you should start looking for a job because I think they're going to get rid of you. That's what led me into my next position working for another tech company called Transaction Network Services. Completely remote, never went into an office. But that job was probably the saving grace in my life and honestly what brought me to this point here. And the reason why was because I was making so much more money working for that job. I was able to purchase a townhome, which I'm living in now with uh, my girlfriend, Samantha, and our daughter, Rayleigh. And when we bought our townhome, there was nothing here. It was just a cookie cutter build, built up real quick. Nothing was here. So during my free times, well, from nine to about one o'clock was the busy times. We had meetings with clients, all of that happened. And then from one to five, there was absolutely nothing going on. And from that time period, I took it upon myself to just learn, learn new skill sets about woodworking, how to build window seats, how to build built-ins. And I started to build these projects. The first project I ever built was the window seat. I have a video up on YouTube. It took me about two and a half, three weeks to build it. And <laughs> now it takes like three, four days to build those types of projects. But I built it. It was horrible, but that's a whole nother story. And then from there, it led into building our uh, living room built-ins. And then I built a floor lamp. We redid our closet. I built some outdoor furniture. And I think it was the outdoor furniture that really started to catch traction. Because I made it out of cedar, you know, cedar uh, emits this scent that is very familiar if you understand what wood is, the species of wood, and what cedar is. So neighbors, when they would walk their dogs, they would smell it in my garage because I was building all this porch furniture. And they asked me like, hey, how long have you been doing this? And I would give them the spill. And one of my neighbors reached out and wanted to have a um, a built-in console put in her house. So came over, I measured the area, um, I quoted the project, and I won the deal over a, an established company. Of course, probably because I was cheaper than the established company, but that was the eye-opening um, job that made me realize like, hey, I have a skill set that I can really take full advantage of and turn into a business. And it got to a point where I was working at this company that I really didn't enjoy working at um, simply because they really didn't value me as an employee being at that company. So while that was happening, my business was starting to grow and I was starting to get a lot more leads and a lot more people inquiring about services and work. And it got to a point where I had to make a decision because I was missing meetings to deliver projects and to finish projects on, on a timely basis for clients. Um, Samantha said, hey, you know, if, if you can book out three to four months of work, I think it's time for you to transition. I, I had typed up that two weeks notice. I just couldn't press send for whatever reason. Couldn't press send. And I realized that it was it was a part of me really didn't believe that I had what it took to grow a business and to turn it into something that you know what it is today. I didn't I truly didn't believe in myself. And um it was March, March 3rd was the day that I actually looked in the mirror, man, and I, I for a solid 5 minutes I didn't say anything. I just looked at myself and I was like, you know what? Like whoever you are, like spiritually that that is in this vessel in this body, 
Like I believe that you'll you'll figure out how to make this happen. You'll you'll figure out how to do it. You know, you'll take on this this role and you'll own it. You'll own it. People will come to you, they'll ask for advice and you'll figure out exactly what it is that you need to do to, to grow this thing. And it was that day where I put in my two weeks notice. Having confidence in your business like you do and confidence in yourself in general that you can make things happen is definitely the bedrock of having a business. But you can have all the confidence in the world, but not have any clients. So there's that that step from you believing in yourself to other people believing in you enough that they'll give you money to build stuff in their home, which is a big (laughs) step. We were, you know, we can joke about it now because you're successful and have done it. But in the beginning, that must have been your stress. Can I take this confidence that I have in myself and my building abilities and put it out there for people to want to hire me? And that's the the roadblock for a lot of people when they're starting their business. So what were the steps that you were putting in place to get clients? What we did was, you know, we we set up a Thumbtack account in the beginning just to get some initial leads going. And then from there, you know, I built a website. It was real quick, uh, real simple. I realized that it wasn't enough. So I hired someone on Fiverr to finish it out, set up the LLC, set up bank accounts. I did all of that stuff in the beginning real quick. Our logo, I think it took me maybe 30, 30 minutes. And, and the actual name of the company, about an hour and a half of, of thinking process to get all that stuff done. And the reason why is because I didn't want to spend weeks on weeks on weeks trying to create this this pretty facade, this, this as I would call it, like cats and rainbows of a business, right? I, I wanted to make sure that I was actually getting jobs and was generating money so that, you know, I can keep growing this thing. And I think that's where, um, you know, we thrived was the fact that I was, I always told Sam like, Hey, don't, don't spend so much time trying to make things perfect, you know, make it 70, 80% and then move on. Because as time progresses, your 70, 80% is going to be your hundred percent from the beginning, you know, like where now, you know, so much more that 70, 80% is far greater than what some people will be able to do if they were to take your, take, take your role or whatnot. So I think that was the main thing. We, we always, we owned up to what it is that we were doing and we made sure that clients knew that, you know, if I didn't know how to do something, I would tell clients, Hey, I've never done this before, but give me, give me a month, two months. I'll put you on the calendar two months from now. Let me learn this. If this is something I can do, I'll let you know within a week to two weeks. If not, you know, I'll point you in the direction of someone that possibly could do this for you. But just give me give me the time to actually learn this process and see if this is something that within my skill set I can accomplish for you. And clients, you know, they they respected that. The fact that I didn't just say, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. Because there was a lot of things that in the beginning I didn't know how to do. Having a company like yours that does so many different things on one hand is great because any project that comes your way, you can say, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. But it also is challenging because you don't want to spread yourself so thin on projects that you don't know how to do. And even if you're being honest from the start that you might not have the skills, but you're going to learn them just because you say that doesn't mean the client doesn't want good products in their home, doesn't want good work done in their house. So how are you deciding 
what jobs to take and what jobs are just too far outside of your wheelhouse? Me, it's hard for me to decide on that because I, I actually enjoy what it is I'm doing. So, you know, anything that involves building, I want to do it. It's more so Sam that is the one that's saying, hey, we shouldn't take this project on. So Sam, you know, will look at a project and say, we've never done this. This is, we can make a decent amount of money off of this, but the headache that comes with this and the time we're going to spend doing this first project is going to take way longer than we should take on these projects. So Sam is really the one that, you know, stops me in my tracks and says, mm, let's, let's not go that direction. Um, there are projects that, you know, we don't do a lot of projects that may require CNC work or special angles, special cuts because we do everything by hand um, using, you know, like saws and joiners and planers and things of that nature. All those real delicate cuts and, and angles and curves and things of that nature, we can do them with jigsaws, but they don't come as clean as a shop that has machinery that can cut a you know a, a a circle completely perfect right so projects like that we typically tell clients like hey we can't do this but we always direct them in a path that makes the most sense and i think that's where you know we stand out in a sense is because we don't just take on projects and say yeah we could do it and then deliver a a 60% done project, we point them in the direction where they can get it done effectively. And if, if they end up going that way, nine times out of 10, they get exactly what they're looking for. Because I always tell Sam this and I tell clients this and I tell, you know, anyone that ends up coming to work with us for the time being, you know, tr treat this person's house as if it's yours. Don't, th there, there's certain things that we can do that we know, all right, Clients won't realize that this is here or th this mistake is made. But if you know that that's there and that's a mistake, make sure you fix it. Make sure you fix it. There's times where I might do something and I'll leave something there and I'm like, ah, the client's never going to notice this. It's inside. It's internal. Unless they pull this built in out, they won't see it. But I'm, I'll am i end up waking two o'clock in the morning thinking like, how do I fix this part? How do I, how can I fix this? So I always tell Sam, I always tell, you know, some buddies that work with us, Leave this project as if it were your own and, and you would want someone to say, wow, this was done correctly. This was done by a professional. You bring up a good point that you also are partnering up with Samantha, who is is taking on the other end. Go a little bit deeper in that and talk about how you're both working simultaneously together towards the same goal. Yeah, so we... It's it's kind of interesting because we wear so many hats because it is a two man band in a sense. Um, we both build together. You know the the same things that I'm doing on the saw and the miter saw, the joiner planer. Sam knows how to do all of that stuff too. In the in the beginning, we decided that she understood social media enough where she can learn that more and really take on that marketing aspect. People don't realize, but Sam is the one that really manages all social media outside of YouTube and, and Google and our websites. She manages our TikTok, the Facebook, the Instagram. She's the reason why it grew to the point that it is. Um, and as our business grows and I'm able to hire more team members, I'm going to you know remove her from the operational side of things and have her focus more so on the customer outreach, more so the, the calling, the building a team to actually go out there and get more business and to grow the business in that aspect because she's better at communicating with clients. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm 
confident in myself, but you know, sending emails and writing things, that's just not my specialty. Like I use Grammarly to help me out, but that's just, that's not my specialty. Sam is better at that stuff. And because she's stronger at that, I'd rather her take on that approach and really grow the business in that aspect. While me and a team that I'll bring on board, because I'm more of the hands-on creative type and I, I really, really enjoy what I'm doing, I can really grow the business by creating a product that stands out from other companies. You bring up a good point about social media and how that is a big part of your business and a big part of how you grew in the public eye. But social media reaches all over the world and your business is very localized. It's doing work with local homes and local clients in your area. How are you seeing that your tremendous growth on social media can reflect back on your local clients? Yeah, so it is it the the reach is definitely far. There's when I look at the back end analytics, I mean, we have people all over the world that follow us, but I think for any small business that's looking to utilize social media, there's there's some key things that you want to make sure you follow when making posts. Um, one being your bio. You know, your bio is the first thing someone sees when they get to your page. Of course, they see the post, but the bio is the first thing. So you want to make sure that you let people know what area you service. Some whenever we have people that reach out to us via email or through our submission form on our website that come from Instagram, you know, they always say, I'm, I'm so glad I found you on Instagram and I saw that you guys service the greater Atlanta area. I want to know if you guys can take on this project. Um, that's that's the first key. That's major key. And the second is the hashtags you use. Um, you know, social media has this cool way of, you know, categorizing projects and certain things into local areas, depending on uh, certain hashtags you use. So if we want to focus on you know, the greater Atlanta area, Sam is looking for hashtags that are specific around Atlanta. So like Atlanta Braves, uh, trending hashtags that might be taking off, just evolving around Atlanta, right? So like Marietta, um, contractors in Kennesaw, like different hashtags of this nature that someone might click on from seeing another post and then they may see our post in that aspect. And then we also see that utilizing those geotags where if we finish a project in Camp Creek or College Park, you know, we'll use the located in Atlanta tag where if someone is searching a certain geotag, they may see our project utilizing that geotag. So that trifecta of your bio saying where you're from, um, using hashtags in your localized area and then using geotags really uh, hones in on that specific area. Things that do well on social media aren't always equivalent to things that do well showcasing your business. There's a lot of the behind the scenes that people like to see, but you probably wouldn't show clients. There's a lot of mess ups or things that you're fixing that you'd be hesitant to show a client who's looking to hire you. How do you have that balance knowing that your social media growth is important, but also you want to impress your clients and make sure they know that you have the skills to get their jobs done. Absolutely. So, and that, that leads back into when you finish with the project, make sure it looks as if it was your own home. You know, the mistakes happen and that ties into the communication aspect. I'm I'm not you know, insecure to let a client know, hey, I made a mistake on this door. It was either too big, too small. I need to take it back to my shop, re remake it, 
and fix this process. So I always, that's kind of just the way that I direct things. I'm always communicating with our client. I make sure that they're aware of, you know, if there are mistakes, this is what happened and this is how I'm going to fix the problem. Now, I've talked with you before and I know that you feel very strongly about keeping to your core pricing and that pricing is the worth for your business. And so even people like family and friends, you're saying don't give discounts to because you need to keep that core pricing. And that makes sense. Your pricing is the worth of your company. So don't throw that away. But I actually had another question about pricing, and that is how are you pricing your projects when you're doing so many different projects, when you're working with so many different types of clients on so many different things for their home. How have you been dealing with that pricing and making sure it's working for your clients and also your business? Oh man, in the, <laughs> in a bit in the beginning it was chaotic. I remember there were projects where I would quote clients not realizing this, the scope of work had had guys working with me, and I ended up not only losing money, but having to pay out of pocket to finish the project. And if 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 I underquoted, that's on me. That's on nobody else. Now, when we quote projects, you know, we have our numbers that we quote. They go out. We don't. I don't go to someone who has a three million dollar home and quote them more than somebody that has a half a million dollar home or two hundred fifty thousand dollar home. It's all based on linear square footage and specific finishes and details that we quote these projects on. If you want something more detailed and you live in a $160,000, $200,000 home, well, guess what? You're going to pay more than someone that lives in a $3 million home that just wants something basic. I don't look at anybody's pockets. I never pocket watch anyone. We just do good work and we do what we're supposed to do. Now we kind of focus on you know a specific type of projects, whether it's built-ins. We do a lot of like living room built-ins, office built-ins, pantry remodels, as well as accent walls, where we understand that if we base things off of a linear scale or a square footage scale, it kind of, some projects are going to be more expensive than others, but it all adds up the same way where we have, you know, a percentage of that, that, that fee that goes towards material, a percentage of that fee goes towards labor and then a percentage of that fee goes towards the profit. And then there's always this little threshold that's left over, whether it's like 10 or 15%. We just tack that on to our material costs. And that kind of keeps us in that threshold of, you know, if we make a mistake for whatever reason, at least we know we have an extra 10 to 15% of um, the budget to, to, to be able to purchase materials over again and to complete the project. And now because we focus on specific projects, um, we don't see ourselves making those mistakes where we're coming out of pocket to finish a project. Um, our, you know, the, the, the business accounts, they're, they're slowly growing. So we, we understand that, you know, we're on the right path. And as time progresses, we, we, every quarter we assess what we did and figure out, all right, what were the margins for these projects? Because we keep tallies of our receipts, same enters in how much money went out through a spreadsheet that I have um, that we created um, to see how much expenditures went out and how much money came in. So we understand, all right, this is what came in. This is what went out. This is that percentage. We need to really tweak these projects to make sure that you know we're not um, staying stagnant on a month-to-month basis, but we're actually growing as time progresses. You've been very clear throughout this whole 
conversation that being honest and and learning from your mistakes are the way that you're growing. So I want to ask you for people who are starting their business, also people who have a business but don't feel like they're getting as much out of it as they want. What's some of the things that you've learned from the good parts and the bad parts of your business up until now? And what could you share advice-wise for people who are looking to have a successful business? You know, for, first things first, belief. You know, believe believe in yourself. Believe that you can do what it is that you set out to do. You know, if you're looking to get into doing built-ins or cabinet work, don't don't aim for the moon and try to do kitchen cabinets in the beginning. Start off with the smaller projects. Do a couple vanities. Do a few living room built-ins, right? Understand the process of building cabinets. If you need cabinets in your shop, do those projects in your shop. You know, allow yourself to 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 gain the skills necessary to be able to do these projects, because what happens is, you know, you make mistakes doing these smaller projects and they don't hurt as much as making a mistake doing a 30 or 40 thousand dollar kitchen remodel where now, you know, you're fifteen thousand dollars in the hole and you might not have that amount to cushion that blow. So always, always accept you know, accept what, what projects you, you take on and believe that you have what it takes to complete those projects. You know, go, go past the cutting boards, the coasters, you know, the smaller projects and start to take on those those bigger projects. Do a dining table. You know, if, if, if a client wants to commission you for a river table, do a, do a small little coffee table, right, that you can put in your living room or you can put on Etsy and sell it. Sell it for the material cost and the labor cost. Don't even look to make profit. Just sell it so that, you know, you make back what you put into it. And then as time progresses, you'll get more comfortable with those projects and you'll be able to say, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Secondly, I would say communication, communication, communication. There is, it's one of the pet peeves of mine is when you know you pay for something and then you're expecting to have it at a certain time you don't get it but no one is communicating you're emailing no one is responding no one is answering your phone calls no one is sending you a text message i think communication is what has really helped our business propel and grow is the fact that we are so transparent with our customers and we talk to them you know if there's any mistakes if we're not going to be on time if we're not going to be at a client's house on a certain day what we're doing while we're not there we let them know and some of them they really don't care but just being able to communicate with your customer you know on on a level where you know it just feels natural you're not you're not sugarcoating things. You're not beating around the bush. You're just telling them exactly what it is. They'll respect you so much more if you can communicate with your customers. I always say this in the end. If you expect to have high reward, you have to be able to accept you know, the low, low points. You have to be able to be in the trenches and, and just accept that. Accept the fact that Listen, I'm in this low point, but I'm striving and I'm going towards this high point. And the only way you're going to get to that high point is by owning up to yourself and your mistakes. And if you make mistakes, you own up to it because in the end result, when you do reach success and you do get to the point where you have 15, 20 people working under you and your business is generating five, 10, 20 million dollars, you deserve it at that point. You deserve every single dollar that your business is generating at that point. All solid advice, and I really do appreciate you sitting down and sharing it with me and talking through 
the parts of your business from the beginning to where you are now. And I really do appreciate it. I know everybody listening appreciates it. So thank you. And I wish you nothing but success moving forward in your business. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Ethan. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at The Build with Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.